Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start with verse 5. This is the writings of the Apostle Paul, and he's writing concerning the end times. And we're going to read some scripture later about what Jesus had to say about the end times. But I want you to understand, these were written 2,000 years ago. So we are 2,000 years into the end times. See, the time of Christ, when Jesus was crucified and rose again on the third day, that was the beginning of the end. It was the beginning of the end times. People often wonder, well, where, when do the end times begin? Well, they began, uh, they began when Jesus ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. He, that's when he began wrapping things up in terms of God's plan for man. Remember he said, it is finished? You know, at the cross? Well, what was finished? The whole plan of salvation was finished. Now, now what God is doing is he's, he's making the revelation of that known to generation after generation after generation after generation until the time comes when God's magic number has been fulfilled. I, I think God has got in his mind when we reach so many people that are born again, when that last person is saved in the harvest, then the trumpet will sound. Now, the Bible doesn't say it that way, but there's an indication that God's, God's got it figured out in his own mind. He hasn't revealed to us what that number is or what that day is. But I think the day, I think the day of the Lord, the, the, the day of the end comes, the very end, is a, a floating day. I think it's going to be determined by the, the, no, the numbers of people that are brought into the harvest. And, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, uh, many of the modern-day prophets that we have confidence in, not the false prophets, but true prophets that we have confidence in, they were prophesying that we have already begun the last great revival before the uh, coming of the Lord. And that in this last great revival, there's going to be over a billion souls saved. Well, once that occurs, that's more people being saved in this last great revival. A billion people is more than have been saved in, your, in our lifetime in the world. And so that, that is truly a great revival that, is, that has sprung forth. And, and many people have spoken under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that that revival has already begun. Just because we may not see it in our, with our own eyes in this present location doesn't mean it's not occurring in the world. It, it is occurring in the world. There, there's a big revival movement taking place among the Greek Orthodox churches in Russia. Believe it or not, while all this war stuff is going on and, and, and Putin is being declared to be a, the villain of the earth, he... Putin himself is establishing Greek Orthodox churches all over Russia, and, and revival is taking place among those people. So don't believe everything you hear on the news about Putin. <laughs> he, they just, he just announced that he's given something like 50, billion, 50 million bushels of wheat uh, to every nation in North Africa for free. Amen. 
said, well, he's buying friends. Well, they, I, I knew another guy who did the same thing. He became king. His name was David. He went out and bought friends, and they, they put him in as king. So, you know, I, I think whatever the man's motivation is, God's getting some mileage out of it. God, listen, God can use evil people. Yeah. He can use evil people, and he does use evil people. He used, he used the emperors of Rome to, to capture the whole Mediterranean world and make it one, basically one country, Rome, and with no borders, at just the precise time when people like Paul and Peter were going out to expand the kingdom of God, and they were able to travel without borders on Roman roads, and, and, and the gospel spread throughout the, the, the Mediterranean area at a rapid pace simply because evil men conquered that area and built highways. There, you know, we talk about the Roman road, you know, in, you know, in the book of Romans, but th there was actually a Roman road. There was a Roman road that, that ran all the way from the coast of Caesarea Philippi all the way up north and around through Greece and, uh, and through Italy to Rome uh, without any, any, any break in it. They built bridges. They built, they built tunnels. They built all kinds of stuff. And you could actually get in a chariot and ride furiously all the way to Rome. Well, Paul did. Peter did. Many of the other apostles did also. And, and God used evil men in an evil empire to spread the gospel. Isn't that wonderful? And because God is interested in the souls of mankind. And, um, uh, and I believe that every generation has got it, is going to have its opportunity, including this generation that's coming up now. I believe they're going to be, they're going to be uh, 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 brought into the kingdom of God in such mass quantities that it's going to astound us. Amen. I'm just, I'm just talking. But I'm talking from conviction. I'm talking from my heart. So read with me uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul is talking about the last days. In verse 5, he says, Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. You might want to circle, circle that he who now letteth will let. And write in there the church. The church, the body of Christ, is he who prevents the Antichrist from coming on the scene. Amen. Our presence in the earth today is what prevents the Antichrist from coming to full power. He can't rise till we rise. That's what Paul's saying here. There, there is that spirit working in the earth today. We see that. Paul saw it. John saw it. Uh, you know, when he wrote the book of Revelation, uh, he talked about it. it the, the, the spirit of Antichrist has been present throughout those, these 2,000 years. I mean, they, that spirit was anti-Christ when Christ was here, right? 
He was anti-Christ in the Garden of Eden. He was coming against God's anointed. He, Satan has always attacked God's anointed. He's always attacked the God line, the, the, the lineage of Jesus. He always trying to put out, put out and destroy any, any opportunity for God to bring salvation into the world. But he failed. Jesus beat him. God outsmarted him. The Bible says if the princes of this world had have known, if they'd have known what was going to happen, they never would have crucified Jesus. But he, you know, God outsmarted them, and Jesus outsmarted them. And, and, uh, but uh, the church, the presence of the body of Christ in the earth is what hinders Satan from taking over the world. As long as we're here, Satan can't take it over. They can threaten to, they can act like they're going to, they can take over small areas, but ultimately they lose, they're defeated. As long as we are here and we are the salt of the earth, we will preserve the earth. Can you say amen? amen. There's some ifs in there, but we're, we're taking care of that, right? Okay, so he says, and once he who now letteth is taken out of the way, it says, and then shall that wicked, capital W, shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. So, yeah, the wicked one is going to be revealed. He will show up. He will make himself known just in time for Jesus to destroy him. Do you see that there, there's no peace for the wicked one? There, there's no success for the wicked one. And, and as a matter of fact, if you study the scriptures concerning end time prophecy, uh, I, I, don't, I don't see in anybody's book and anybody's writings about it, I don't see anywhere that he actually takes over the whole world. He might take over a 10 nation area, but how many of you know there's like over 120 nations in the world? So if the Antichrist takes over Europe, for example, that don't mean he's taken over the whole world. It's really a small portion of the world. You can, see, you can put all of Europe in Texas. Part near. Well, you can put the whole world in Texas. Amen. Texas is big. Praise God. Amen. And it'd be nice and warm. Everybody talks about Alaska and how much bigger Alaska is. Yeah, but you go to Alaska, you're going to freeze. So who wants to go there? And, and anyway, so... Jesus is going to destroy with the brightness of his coming the wicked one. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. I mean, he, he's, he's, uh, uh, he, he's going to be able to pull some tricks. He's going to be able to do some stuff. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved... And for this cause, because they didn't receive the love of the truth, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, this scripture just stands out in the face of what's going on in the world today. People who take pleasure in unrighteousness, people who refuse to believe the truth. And even the people that are confused about it. 
like that Supreme Court justice that was in her, in her uh, confirmation hearings couldn't even define a woman. I mean, you talk, about, you talk about confused. Now, she sits on the Supreme Court as a judge. And she couldn't even define a Well, she wouldn't define a woman. She could if she would, but she wouldn't, which even makes her worse. If she was too stupid to tell you what a woman was, that's one thing. But being, but being uh, 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 willful, willfully muddying the waters makes her evil. Makes her evil. Makes her wicked. And she's one of these people he's talking about here. And, uh, and so we know that the end times, the closer we get to the end, the more deluded people are going to become until they're easily taken captive by the false, by the Antichrist. That's false Christ. Uh, the false prophets, the false teachers, the false preachers. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of falsehood going on. And the closer we get to the end of times, the more people are going to be deluded. The more people are going to be thinking that they're okay, and yet they're going to split hell wide open. A lot of religious people. A lot of so-called Christian people, people who attend church faithfully, but they have never obeyed the truth. They've never bowed their knee to the authority of Jesus Christ in their life and made him not just their Savior, but their Lord. See, salvation comes when you make Jesus Lord of your life. Paul, Saul of Tarsus on the way to Damascus, he fell off his horse because he was blinded by a great light and he heard the voice of Jesus and he said, Lord. He didn't say Savior. He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Salvation is the, is the reward of making Jesus the Lord of your life. And the word Lord means owner, controller, and possessor. My daughter likes to call him rule maker. The rule maker of your life or the law of your life. Who determines what you do? Jesus. Why? He's the law of my life. Jesus is my law. Amen. And it's a love law. It's a faith law. It's a powerful law. But, but he, he is the lawgiver of my life. Hallelujah. How many of you received Jesus as, as the rule maker of your life? Well, then you're saved. That's what saves you. Amen. Confessing Him. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. L-O-R-D Jesus. The Lord Jesus. Owner and controller and rule maker of your life. If you will confess Him and then believe that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Saved comes after Lordship. I was preaching like this one day, and a friend of mine uh, who had been in the ministry many years uh, here in town, and you know, good friends, we, we'd get together, drink coffee together. Uh, he happened to be here that morning, and at that week he sent me a letter, I mean a scathing letter, and he called me a heretic because I would dare say you've got to make Jesus Lord of your life. He said, we're saved by grace through faith. And I said, yeah, grace comes to those who accept him as Lord. He, didn't like, he took exception to it. Well, you know, he was Pentecostal, but many years before that, he was raised Baptist. Yeah. 
And Baptists, they, all, they, all they want to talk about is grace. You don't hear them talking about the Lord Jesus. They talk about your Savior. Walk down here, shake my hands, and receive Jesus as your personal Savior. If they say, Lord, it's a slip-up, they don't really mean to say it. That way you can go away feeling like you're going to be saved forever and still live any way you want to. But why? Because you're still your rule giver. You're still making the rules for your own life. Don't get Baptist saved, folks. Get Holy Ghost saved. And God bless the Baptists. I'm not against them. Many of you were such. I married a former Baptist, but she was Baptist, Church of God, then, you know, charismaniac before I got older. So she had time to get fixed. Amen. And I, I know Sister Brenda, she's, she comes from Baptist backgrounds. And what a beautiful lady. What a precious woman. And, and I'm not saying they're not precious, and I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm just saying, come on, folks, let, let's do it God's way. If God says he, He's got to be Lord, make Him Lord. Why? Because you don't want to get deceived and deluded into thinking you're okay when you're not. That, that's a sign of the last days. And, and notice it says that God himself will give people over to strong delusions. And then they become led in darkness by wickedness and unrighteousness and not even know it. When you're deluded, you don't know it. When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. It, you've got to have some outside source to point it out to you. And then woe be unto them. You might, you might kill them. You know, stone the prophet, right? Anyone who comes to bring you truth, he's risking something. Anytime somebody tells you the truth, he's risking something. Because he doesn't know how you're going to react. But if you're so strongly deluded into thinking you're right and you're okay, you're not going to be, you're not going to be so willing to accept correction. And one of the chief jobs of a pastor is to, is to bring correction, loving correction, to bring loving correction and, and to guard your soul and watch over your soul lest you stray. Amen. Well, let's see what Jesus had to say about it. Matthew 24. <laughs> Matthew 24. How many of you know Matthew 24? Jesus was dealing with future. Uh, it's a future prophetic utterance from Jesus. Did you know Jesus was a prophet? Amen. Now, a lot of what Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24 came to pass in A.D. 70. When Titus, the Roman general, came and surrounded Jerusalem and destroyed Jerusalem, burned it to the ground, murdered all of its inhabitants, and drove all the remaining Jews out of the land of Israel. And for a thousand years, they were never allowed to come back into that area thousand years literally Matthew 24 verse 21 says for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no nor ever shall be and except those days should be shortened there should no flesh be saved. That's pretty bad. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, 
or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Notice there's an if there. If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Aren't you glad there's a doubt that it's possible? I, I want to be in that elect group of people that can't be deceived. But many will be deceived by the, by the false Christ, the false prophets who show great signs and wonders. Now, when Jesus said this, he didn't say every preacher is false. He didn't say every prophet is false. And he didn't say every sign and wonder is of the devil. That's been interpreted by some of our brethren. Some of our brethren have said, well, you know, where you see signs and wonders and miracles, that's the devil working. And they quote this. How many of you know there cannot be a false unless there's a real? There cannot be a counterfeit unless there's the real thing. There are real, there is a real Christ. And there are real Christians. There are real Christians, as Jimmy likes to call it. There are, there are real emissaries of Jesus Christ in the earth today. That's who you and I are. We are emissaries. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're living lights. And among us are real prophets. And we go about preaching the word of God, according to Mark 16, with signs following. Jesus himself goes with us to confirm the word that we preach with many signs following. So signs and wonders and miracles are not all false. But it is a method by which the enemy, through his trickeries, can deceive people into thinking that they're performing a miracle when all there are is deceiving them. Do you now, with artificial, in, artificial intelligence, they can now clone your voice, take your picture off of your iPhone or your Facebook page, and they can create a FaceTime message of you talking, and it looks just like you, sounds just like you, and it's saying, help me, I've been kidnapped, send $5,000 to the such and such and such. And if that person is not sitting right next to you in flesh and blood, you'd be deceived into thinking that your loved one was in trouble and you had to wire the money to them. And they're doing it already. It's already, criminals are already cloning your voice, cloning your face, and, and, and AI is, is pretending to be you, and in your name, with your face and your voice, causing trouble. That's a lying sign, lying wonders. And look, you know, that, that, that there's all, I mean, they can manufacture all kinds of stuff to deceive people today. That's what a lot of this uh, UFO stuff have you noticed there's been an upsurge of UFO talk? The government's even now saying that there have been UFOs and all this kind of stuff. Uh, UFO means unidentified. Everybody say unidentified. Unidentified flying objects. Unidentified means we don't know its source. We don't know what it is. We don't know where it came from, where it went. 
but you, through modern technology, you can create an unidentified flying object out there in the sky, and you can make it go this way and that way and up and down. You know, I can do that with my laser pointer. And you don't want to do that, by the way, because if an airliner flies over and you're pointing a laser pointer at you, they'll come get you and arrest you. Did y'all know that? Yeah. Don't point a laser pointer at an airplane. <laughs> but either you can create all kinds of fake stuff. Do y'all understand? Do you understand that we're living in an age when it'd be real easy to deceive somebody? be real easy. All, all these scams that come on, you know, people calling you up and saying, hey, you know, uh, you owe the IRS X number of dollars. If you don't pay today, uh, we're going to come after you and, and send money to this address. And, uh, and there are people who fall for it. Isn't, that, isn't it uh, an, a common saying, you know, a fool is born every moment. A sucker is born every moment. Amen. Don't be a sucker. Don't be a, one who's easily deceived. Learn, learn how to defend yourself against scammers, con people, con men. I saw a video the other day of this dog. Uh, this dog is limping across the street, just limping across the street. And he comes over to this butcher shop across the street, and the butcher sees him limping across there, and the butcher gives him a steak. And he, the dog turns around and just trots off. The dog conned the butcher guy. You know, what a smart dog. Well, you know, some of us are not, aren't any smarter than that. We, the slightest little thing, you know, touches our heart, touches our feelings. And, uh, and uh, there's a saying over in India they use a lot, uh, touch their heart, open their purse. People know that if they can touch your heart, you'll open your purse, you'll open your wallet. Don't be so easily fooled. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you to be full of cynicism and skepticism and, and, uh, and an unbeliever, but at the same time, you need to walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit and, and, uh, and not be so easily deceived. Because a spirit of strong delusion has been loosed upon the earth, and people are, are uh, sheepishly following after wolves. And the wolves are no longer in sheep's clothing. The wolves are so blatant today, they've taken off their sheepskins. And the wolf is just there. Wolf is there with his sharp teeth and everything. And the sheep are still following him. That's how blinded they are. They can't even see what's right in front of their faces. Christians are still taking their children to Disneyland and Disney World. Well, Disney has come out, blatantly come out, and, and said, we are filling all of our material with queer stuff and with uh, 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 sex change material and all of that because we want to free the children from their parents. And there's, there's video after video that shows these guys standing. Uh, I saw one just this morning. This guy from Disney standing up in front of a, uh, like a city council in Los Angeles, and he's bragging about how Disney is going to set up all these clinics, these sex change clinics, all over the country. 
and they're going to offer uh, free services to children who want to change their sex and give them a six-month free pass to Disney Disneyland. And he's so proud of himself. He just blatantly, I mean, without any twinge of conscience, I mean, I thought maybe he's an AI guy. I don't know. Because no real human being would ever just stand up and boldly and brag about such a thing, but he was doing it. Evil. Disney is evil. Christians, do not give your money to evil. So see, I'm surprised that I have to say that. But I still know people who are going to Disney, watching Disney movies, knowing, having already heard that those movies are filled with homosexuality, lesbianism, uh, uh, sex change stuff, and all the characters are, have been, all the characters have been um, queericized. Remember Bert and Ernie? Bert and Ernie, I used to love to watch, you know, Bert and Ernie stuff until they made homosexuals out of Bert and Ernie. They were, now Bert and Ernie's a homosexual couple. You heard about Miss Piggy. They made pork chops out of her. But uh, anyway. Well, the Apostle Paul... <laughs> When the Apostle Paul began to do his uh, missionary journeys, you know, he left, he left his home country, left his home territory, where he was, like, treated with uh, a lot of respect for his vast knowledge and his, you know, uh, he was a great accomplisher. And so he takes off and goes, goes uh, off on mission trips, and he goes to places like uh, Athens, Greece, and he confronts Greek uh, philosophy, and then he goes to Rome, and he has to confront Roman philosophies, and uh, and he's uh, realizing uh, some trouble because of it. He gets persecuted because of it, and uh, uh, so he, uh, when he's imprisoned in Rome, uh, he's in a situation where all he can do is write and pray, write and pray because he's incarcerated. And so he's praying for these churches that he had established because he knew they were undergoing some persecutions. So he writes to the Ephesian church in chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. And he actually put, he would put his, his prayers down on paper because they didn't have internet and they didn't have telephones. So he had to send letters. But he wanted, he wanted the Ephesian church to know what he was praying for them. Amen? And these prayers are powerful, and I know you realize that because we've talked about it before. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, I, I, I want you to hear his prayer in relation, in relation to the strong delusions and deceiving that's going on in the end times. Okay, verse 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, here's what he, he's praying. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation in the knowledge of Him. See, He's the truth. So you know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So, so He's praying that God would give us wisdom, a spirit of wisdom. That's a person. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the truth. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That's the opposite of deluded. That's the opposite of deceit. Enlightened is the opposite of deluded. That you, your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. The word know is, is to know by experience. Not, not just to know head knowledge, but to actually have experienced it. To know what is the hope of His calling. What the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. Don't get me started on that. I love that, I love that phrase. The greatness of His power that's coming towards us uninterrupted. Amen. According to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him in His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. There's a lot in here. I mean, this is like a mouthful of divine revelation that Paul is praying that we would come to a full understanding of. See, instead of being deluded, we need to know what's the real truth. This is the real truth. The real truth is that we have a high calling in Christ and that we are rich beyond wildest imaginations with our inheritance in the saints and that His great power is coming towards us, uninterrupted, dunamis power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. That power is, at, is resident within us and coming towards us in an unending flow. Jesus has been raised from the dead and sat at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, far above all principality, all power, all might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world which is to come. We need to see that, we need to understand that, and we need to believe that, and we need to act on it. Amen. Who is the power? Who is in control? Who is greater than any name you can name on the earth? I name Putin. You can name Putin, Biden, Kennedy, Rockefeller, you know, any, any name or any group of names. Any W-H-O, U-F-O, U-N, whatever, uh, whatever initials you want to name, just name them all, lump them together. Our leader, our leader is greater than all of them. Amen. Amen. Don't be deluded. Don't be deceived. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The deceiver may be in the world, the, the one, the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist may be at work in the world, but I want you to know the greater one is in you. Don't be deceived into thinking you're going to be overcome, overwhelmed, or in some way they, they, can, they can snatch you out of God's hands. Jesus said that's impossible. Once you're in His hand, no man can snatch you out. That's eternal security right there. 
As long as you stay in his hand, no man can snatch you out. Now, you can jump out anytime you want to, but that would be foolish. Who in their right mind would jump out of Jesus' hand? So if you jump out of Jesus' hand, you're in your wrong mind. You're deluded. You're deceived. That's how serious it is. Don't get deluded, deceived, or you'll jump out of grace. It's like jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. It may get hot in here, but it, it's hotter out there. There may be some testing and trying times. There may be some uh, uh, attitude and character shaping moments in your life that seem like really difficult and hard, but God is just polishing you up for heaven. And that's nothing, to, that's nothing like being cast into the lake of fire. You don't want to go to hell. Come on. You don't want to get anywhere near the edge. And yet people are deluded into thinking they're okay. And, they, and they've departed from grace. They've left the Lord. If they ever knew the Lord, they fell away from the Lord. And they still think they're okay. It should grieve you when you get around people like that. Once in a while, yeah, I, we get out in public. We all do. You know, uh, we'll go to a sporting event or we'll go to, out to eat to a restaurant. And, uh, or we'll go, you know, to the market, or, you know, we'll get around where there's a whole bunch of towns folks, you know, regular people. And it should grieve you. When you get out like that, it should grieve you, because all around you are people who don't have a clue. People who think they're okay, and they're not. Or people who think, who know they're not okay, but they rejected Jesus. And they're looking for something else. People who, when they were in Christ, they didn't take advantage of being in Christ, and so they lost confidence of being in Christ, and they, they fell out of Christ. Now they're looking for something in Buddha, or they're looking for something in uh, Hinduism, or they're looking for something in drugs, or light beer. And you're not going to find it. There's only one place to find satisfaction for your soul, and His name is Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can heal you and make you whole. Yeah. Amen? That's a song. <laughs> it's the truth. And so we need, to, we need to have this prayer of the Apostle Paul answered in our own lives. Our understanding and our awareness needs to come alive unto these truths. And that will keep you close to Jesus. And that will keep you in a place of safety for your mind not to be deluded and deceived. This morning, uh, Ruth and I, on the way to church, we stopped at Grinders. Anybody here ever been to Grinders restaurant? We like going to Grinders. It's, it's kind of a down-home country boy diner you know I mean it's been I think the first time it's over on Atlantic Boulevard the first time I went to Grinders was when I first moved to town uh, Dr. Danny Drake took me to Grinders he was getting his Mercedes worked on across the street and we went over to Grinders and uh, it's it's you know it's like a greasy spoon restaurant uh, in Broken Bow Nebraska we had the tumbleweed 
And I, I've always liked to kind of hang out at these places because you get to know the community. You get to rub shoulders with people you don't see in church. And today we went, and they're always busy. I mean, yeah, you go in there, you got to hunt for a place to sit. And because uh, they don't seat you, they just say, hey, whatever's available. And a lot of times the place is so full, you, you, it's hard to find a place to sit. And the food is okay. But we were in there this morning because I like to eat breakfast before I preach. It gives me the energy to make it through the, till the end. And I didn't used to be that way, but now that I get older, I, I, I need a little energy. And Ruth is so busy putting her makeup on on Sunday morning, she don't have time to make me breakfast. So, so we go to Grinders. Or sometimes we just go through McDonald's drive through you know, I'll get a biscuit or something. But anyway, this morning, I'm, we're sitting there. There's people all around. That's talk, they're talking, and we're listening to these conversations, and we're looking. And I'm looking at these people. I can tell by looking at them and listening to them that they are deluded, that they are deceived, that they are thinking they're okay, and they're and that many of them have one foot in hell and the others on a banana peel. I mean, some of them are some of them are so old and feeble. You know, I saw one guy. He he got up from the table and he had to help his wife get up because she couldn't stand up on her own. And they're, they're just, but you could tell by the way they dressed and the way they acted, they weren't going to church. Matter of fact, Ruth and I, we stick out like a sore thumb. She, we, we go in there, you know, dressed for church, and everybody else is in their, in their shorts and t-shirts that say, you know, Satan is king and stuff like that. I mean, we, I saw one like that this morning, and, uh, and people with shorts on, they got tattoos all the way down to their toenails. And, and, uh, and they look like they've been on drugs. I mean, just, you know, just. And I know these are people who just live around there. They're people who just live around there. But, I, I, but it just tells me there are a whole lot of lost people who go to grinders. And I know some Christians do. I know, I know Jimmy and Terry like to go there. And, and, of course, you've probably been going there all your life, you know. Brother Colson, you know, he grew up in this neighborhood. He he knows he knows every nook and cranny around this part of town. And uh, if you want to know anything, he probably knows it. Him and Jimmy, they got this neighborhood locked up. <laughs> Amen. So, uh, but my point is, I, I could the delusion and the and the deception that these people's minds are in was so real. Of course, I'm thinking about it. I'm preaching, and I'm looking at these people, and I, I, see, I see how they're in desperate need of light, of enlightenment, of, of knowing the truth. And yet it's a, it's a, it's a situation where you're not, you're not really free to stand up on a table and preach to them. Of course, I haven't tried, but just me getting up on the table would be a feet signing a wonder but I, I get the same thing when I go to, when I go to a ball game yeah. Ruth and I went to a Jaguar game you know and we got uh, brother Rich Wine's seats and uh, which were good seats we got to sit in a good place got a good view of the field and and I'm watching all these uh, people around me and how they dressed and how they acted and how they talked and everything and I could tell I wasn't sitting in church you understand what I'm saying? Now, we enjoy the experience. We, we, enjoy, we enjoy the game and all that. 
but it, they, there's nothing there that will satisfy your soul. Nothing there that will heal your hurts. Nothing there that will minister to your eternal future. Amen? It's, it's, it's amusement. It's, it's, it's passing. As soon as it's over, you, 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 you're waiting for the next one. Because there, there's no sustainability in this world's amusements, this world's entertainment. You never can get enough of that. But Jesus said there's a water that we can drink that will satisfy our thirst and quench it forever. Amen? There's a food that we can eat that will satisfy and nourish us forever. There are eternal riches. But people are deluded into thinking that they can find what they need in earthly things. You can't. We get addicted to these earthly things. Think we got to have them. But in the end, they're not going to outlast the sun. But Jesus will. I've got a home in glory land, the song says, that outlasts the sun. Remember that song? I have a home in glory land that outlasts the sun. The sun will grow dark, but my heavenly home will stay bright forever. I'm determined to get there. How about you?